So our first reading uh, of the two parts is from Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through to 14, which you can find on page 789 of the Church Bibles. And then we'll flip over to 1 Peter, chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through to 12. So Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places to which I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. Our second reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 through to 12. And that's on page 1218 of the Church Bibles. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I have to say, it feels a little bit different standing up to preach this morning. Um, Not for the reason you might be thinking, but um, I'm trying to put that out of my mind until tomorrow. Um, But actually, because in a lovely providence of God, I've been allocated to preach for the very first time the passage that God used to bring me out of darkness into his kingdom of light nearly 31 years ago. So that's a bit special for me. Uh, And I'm going to pray now and ask that God will help us and that he will use his powerful word to do great things among us this morning. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you that your word is powerful and effective. Thank you, Lord, that you are able, through your word, to bring people out of darkness into your glorious, wonderful kingdom of light. And so, Father, we want to submit to the authority of your word over our lives this morning and pray that by the Holy Spirit you will do great things among us. Teach us your ways. And, Lord, maybe if there are those here this morning who do not yet know the Lord Jesus, in your goodness, would you reveal yourself to them and lead them to a place of faith and repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder if you've ever asked the question, what am I doing here? I emphasize here intentionally. I, I don't mean that big question of life which philosophers have considered for centuries. No, what am I doing here? Here in Southampton. Here in Above Bar Church this morning. Or wherever you happen to be if you're live streaming. Now I would love to hear each one of your answers. I genuinely would. But if I give you each a minute, uh, we don't leave much before 5 p.m., I can imagine, though, a whole range of responses. Some of you will be here in Southampton because you were born and brought up here, or in one of the surrounding towns or villages. Some are here because your work brought you here, or marriage or family brought you here. Maybe you moved here to study. Some have fled war, persecution, tragedy, and you found refuge here. Uh, you may be here at Above Bar Church because, well, your parents brought you up here. You haven't known anything different or because you're passing through Southampton and just wanted a church to visit today, or you're looking for a new church to call home, or you're trying to recover from a bruising church experience. Whatever our individual answers might be, there is a simpler theological one that actually applies to each and every one of us. Ultimately, you and I are here because the sovereign God brought us here. The God who, Acts 17, made the world and everything in it, mankind, marked out our appointed times in history and the boundaries of our dwelling place, and in whom we all live and move and have our being. And this is a key lesson that the people of Jerusalem are learning in Jeremiah chapter 29, written centuries before the birth of Jesus, because their city has been invaded and conquered by the superpower of their day. And if you look at the end of verse 1 that we didn't read, Nebuchadnezzar had carried them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So that would have been the main news story of their day. What are we doing here? Dun, 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 dun. King Nebuchadnezzar carries people of Jerusalem into exile. Dun, dun. Imagine Hugh Edwards. If Chris were here, he could do the accent. But tune into the Divine Broadcasting Corporation 6 o'clock news, and you will get a very different angle on the headline. What are we doing here? Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And, and in case we miss the point, God repeats himself. Verse 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Again, middle of verse 14, I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. What are we doing here? Asked the people of Jerusalem. I carried you. I banished you, I will bring you back. Now they were sent into exile because of their failure to love the Lord their God wholeheartedly. Despite God's patient and gracious warnings over many hundreds of years, they continue to cling to idols and to neglect those things that have always been close to God's heart. Righteousness, justice, care for the poor, 
Love for widows and orphans. Concern for people who are marginalized, alienated, despised, rejected. So for them, Babylon is a place of God's discipline and righteous punishment. But please don't make the wrong connection to us today. Uh, Some of you may long to live elsewhere, perhaps a more consistently warmer and sunnier climate. I have to say, I have my moments, I can't deny it. But if you are deeply unhappy here in Southampton for whatever reason, I need to stress living here is not God's punishment. That's not the connection. It really isn't. However, just like the people of Jerusalem in Babylon, you and I are not here in Southampton or above Bar Church by chance. No, the sovereign God carried us here. Uh, the Apostle Peter in that second passage we read picks up on this idea of followers of Jesus being as what he calls foreigners and exiles. We are citizens of heaven, each living here on a temporary visa. And what Jeremiah 29 and 1 Peter 2 show us is how to live well in and to serve this great city of Southampton with its inevitable mix of vice and virtue. While we await what John describes in Revelation 21 as the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. If you are trusting in Jesus today, that is your final destination. That is where Jesus one day will return from and bring you back to. But for now, we're all foreigners and exiles in Southampton. So how then does God want us to serve and to live well in this great city? Here are three key ways drawn from Jeremiah 29 and 1 Peter 2. First, we've already heard it, seek the peace and prosperity of Southampton. Seek the peace and prosperity of Southampton. Now, what does that look like? Well, look with me at verse 5. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, you would have heard me say that I do not have green fingers. And thank you, by the way, for those who have inquired about the well-being of my money plant. Uh, Doing okay. Thank you. New growth detected. Uh, Thank you for your prayers. But um, I will not be uh, applying for an allotment anytime soon. Let me be clear on that. Gardening simply is not my thing personally, nor is building things really. I'm probably one of the least practical people you can imagine. But you see, the main focus here, I think, is actually on settling down. Yes, we're here on a temporary visa, but we might be here a while. In Jeremiah's day, there were false prophets who were telling God's people, you won't be in Babylon for long. God will soon come and rescue his chosen people. Uh, those same prophets uh, had also said, even as Nebuchadnezzar's army was sort of at the, uh, at the gates, sieging the city, don't listen to that miserable old prophet Jeremiah. God's city, Jerusalem, will never fall. But verse 9, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And verse 10, you're going to be here 70 years. Well, For many, that is a lifetime, isn't it? So get stuck in and involved in city life. You may well be a DIY wizard, the kind of person who never, ever needs to get a man in to do any job, or a woman to do any job, by the way. Or you may be the Charlie Dimmock of Southampton, a garden rescuer extraordinaire. Or you may have an entirely different set of abilities and skills. But whatever person, whatever kind of person God has made you, whatever talents and passions he has entrusted to you, put down roots is the message of Jeremiah 29. Get established. Use whatever God has given you to actively seek the peace and prosperity of this city. 
Uh, there are various Christian cults around who say that, well, we shouldn't really have anything to do with this wicked world. We should come out and be separate, not allow the evil of this world to pollute us. Just hide away as we await the return of Jesus. Some get so obsessed with the last days that they forget that we're meant to be salt and light in these present days. Even in Jesus' day, the Pharisees didn't get why Jesus used to hang around with sinners and prostitutes. But it's because God wants his children to be actively involved in the world so that unbelievers will see Jesus in us and be drawn to him. Yes, true, of course, we're not to love the ways of this world, And we're to ensure that our our lifestyle, our attitudes, our behavior, our speech is distinct from the world. But God does want us in the world, impacting this city for good. And then verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Uh, You've already heard, some of us were here yesterday celebrating Sim and Emily's marriage. It was a great occasion. I found it really, really enjoyable. Uh, Not least because I'm well past the age now whereby people sidle up to me at weddings and say, oh, Jonathan, you'll be next. (laughs) No, I won't. (laughs) But what if you find yourself in the same position as me? You read this passage and you think, well, no garden, can't build, no spouse, no kids. Well, don't despair Because again, I think the point is not really whether we're married or single. The emphasis, if you look at the end of verse 6, is increase in number there. Do not decrease. Marriage is a great gift from God, as are children. But being unmarried is also a great gift in the kingdom of God. An unmarried man or woman is free from the concern of having to please a spouse and bring up kids so they can focus single-mindedly on the Lord's affairs. And can I say to those of you who are unmarried, whether that's a temporary thing or a permanent thing, or whether you're married without children for whatever reason, why not pray for spiritual sons and daughters? Perhaps people that you can invest in and pray for and disciple and encourage, maybe even provide for. Perhaps you might consider fostering or sign up for a youth mentoring scheme in Southampton or volunteer with children. The new covenant command to Christians is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the key increase that God is looking for today. And we each have a part to play in that wonderful work of making and growing disciples of others. It's a huge privilege. See, what God is looking for is a diverse people of all ages and all backgrounds and all abilities who love the Lord Jesus and who will, verse 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Uh, That word translated seek is an active word in the Hebrew language with multiple layers of meaning. So it can mean uh, inquire, investigate, practice, study, care for. And peace and prosperity translates that one Hebrew word that pretty much all of us here will know, shalom. Shalom. Again, that word has such a rich vein of meaning that it's difficult to translate with a single English word. Uh, The NIV's peace and prosperity is a great attempt. Shalom appears nearly 250 times in the Old Testament, and it carries the sense of well-being, completeness, wholeness, contentment, safety. Well, let's get practical for a moment. What might this look like in our daily lives? It will be different for each of us, of course, according to our differing circumstances. So if your primary responsibility right now is bringing up and caring for children at home, Well, don't feel guilty or pressured to attend everything at church. 
but seek the shalom of the children that God has entrusted to you because your child's well-being will impact their friend's well-being and the well-being of the school and the clubs that they attend. Why don't you prayerfully aim to be the parent who isn't always complaining or gossiping or cutting people up on the school run? If that kind of thing happens, I wouldn't know. Be the one that teachers delight to meet with on parents' evening. Because you can be sure there will be many parents that they do not delight to meet with on parents' evening. Don't be one of those. In your place of work or volunteering, prayerfully aim to be the employee or the volunteer who never badmouths the boss, never slanders anybody, who always finds something nice to say about even the most irritating and annoying client or colleague. Reach out to the one who's always being mocked in your place of work. How about unexpectedly treating your colleagues to cakes, even when it's not your birthday? Just surprise them. Offer to help someone struggling at work, even if you're under pressure, to hit your deadlines. Actively seek the prosperity of your workplace, whether it's in Southampton or elsewhere. Or for those of you at school, college, university, how about reaching out to the classmate or fellow student no one else likes? Or the one who's being bullied or teased by others? You may suffer for it, but so did Jesus when he defended those that everybody else hated. In your student accommodation or your shared house, could you be the one who's always considerate of others, even if nobody else seems to care? The one who always keeps the kitchen or the bathroom clean or keeps the noise down when others are trying to study? Or be the peacemaker? who helps those who have fallen out to come together and to be reconciled. If you're retired, can you be the neighbor who always looks out on those who live alone? Mows next door's lawn, perhaps. Maybe sign up to serve on the residence committee. Yes, it will probably be a total nightmare, but you never know. Your prayers and the presence of Christ could make all the difference. Turn a tedious or argumentative meeting into something altogether more harmonious. Well, there's just a few suggestions. I'm sure if we're open and willing, the Holy Spirit will impress on us a whole range of ways that we can seek the peace and prosperity of Southampton. Joining in with litter picks and community events, serving as a street pastor, volunteering in some other way. Uh, one of our Iranian brothers was telling me recently that as he walks around Southampton, he just likes to smile at people. Now, I know that brother is having a really difficult time, but he commits himself to share the joy of Jesus by random acts of smiling. I think it's a great idea. You know, there are many ways, great and small, to seek the prosperity of this city. And that's before we even think about getting involved in the various outward-facing ministries that we've heard about already this morning, others that are run and supported by Above Bar. Ministry seeking the shalom of individuals and families. We've heard today about the big difference. There's the big breakfast, Safe Families, CAP, Amber, Families Together, Basics Bank, Love Southampton, Connect, English Language Cafe, Global Gathering, Alpha, Young Lives, and many, many more that we're connected with in one way or another as a church. You may be time poor, but resource rich. So could you consider supporting one of those ministries financially? You might lack mobility or be restrained in some other way, health-wise. But you know, there's one thing that we can all do to seek the peace and prosperity of this city. And that is, secondly, to pray wholeheartedly for Southampton. Pray wholeheartedly for Southampton. Second half of verse 7, pray to the Lord for the city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
The word translated prosper is, again, that Hebrew word shalom. So if the city experiences shalom, you too will experience shalom. I find that fascinating. Have you ever thought that our peace and prosperity as believers here is linked to and wrapped up with the overall peace and prosperity of Southampton? In many ways, it's, it's obvious, but we don't often think this way as Christians. But of course, if, if the city has good government, run by councillors and council officials with integrity and honesty, using limited funds wisely, that will impact all our lives for good. So pray for it. Highly rated, safe schools with gifted teachers benefit the lives of our children and all children. So pray for it. Effective policing helps lower crime rates, keeps us safer. Pray for it. Businesses and shops prospering, grows the local economy, draws in visitors. So pray for it. Southampton City Football Club, staying in the Premier League. I'm praying. I am praying. I promise you. Even though I'm an Arsenal sport, I am praying that it will happen. But it's going to need some supernatural intervention, isn't it? Especially after yesterday's result. But whether you're into football or not, can I say that it will be for the well-being of the city if somehow they do stay up or they bounce right back. Jenny, come and talk to me afterwards. I, I, I know you're a Saints fan. And, and it's my second team, by the way. But you know, it will be for the well-being of the city because, not least, because the Saints Foundation does wonderful work in this city. Not least in Woodlands Community College where our East Congregation meets. And I guess, I don't know for sure, but I guess no Premier League for the Saints presumably means less money for the Saints Foundation. Interestingly, their purpose is, quote, to use the power and passion of the club to transform lives in and around Southampton. That sounds almost gospel-like, doesn't it? I met one of the young men who works for the Saints Foundation during a grand tour of Woodlands, and his passion for transforming young lives was infectious. So how about us, brothers and sisters? Will we devote ourselves to praying for the power and the gospel, the power of the gospel and our passion for Jesus to transform lives in and around Southampton? Notice though, if our prayers are to be answered, they do need to be wholehearted. So here are the verses that brought me to faith and that I know have impacted others here too. Verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, there's that word shalom again, prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. But then carefully note the terms and conditions, the small print. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And if I could sum up one thing that God has been teaching me in the 31 years I've been a Christian, it's that. Seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. Now, these are familiar kitchen calendar or fridge magnet verses, but we need to remember they're set in a biblical context. It's not to say that, of course, God doesn't use them as he has in my life and others' lives to speak directly into the lives of individuals, but we need to remember that these promises are only going to be fully realized when the Lord Jesus returns to take us to that new holy city. Jesus makes it clear, doesn't he, to his followers that in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. So don't misunderstand these verses to be promising that life for the Christian is always going to be peaceful and prosperous. That we should expect to live in a permanent state of perfect shalom, floating over Southampton like a helium balloon or something without a care in the world. 
That's not the promise. But if I'm trusting in, and if I pray with an undivided heart to God, I can ask him with expectation to bring foretastes of the future peace and prosperity to come. I can ask him to bless the people of this city and to pray that God will give us Christians strength to do good to all people and especially to the family of believers. Can I say, by the way, wholehearted prayer does not need to be long prayer. Uh, Most prayers recorded in the Bible are quite short and Jesus warns us against thinking we'll be heard because of many words. No, God's concern when I pray is what is in my heart. Are there any rivals for my deepest affections? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, including our praying. One of my regular prayers for Southampton is based on our Lord's model prayer. Lord, please bring your kingdom, your kingdom rule into Southampton. May your will be done throughout this city. Amen. It's a short prayer, but if it's from the heart, God will hear it. Or you could pray, Lord, please give wisdom to all of those in authority in this city. Cause them to act justly, to love mercy, to make their decisions with humility before you. Or you could ask God to frustrate the plans of those in this city who want to harm people in the city. Or how about a prayer for yourself and other Christians as we go about our daily lives based on 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11. Lord, by your power, please fulfill every good purpose of ours and every act prompted by our faith. Or as you walk around the city, pass all kinds of people, why not silently pray, Lord, please open a door into this person's heart for the message of Christ. Or if they already know you, may they grow in their faith and in their love for you. As we were urged recently by Ed in our week of prayer, pray as you can. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to develop and maintain an attitude of prayer so that eventually praying on the go becomes as natural to us as breathing. Some of you will know that I go into Woodlands Community College on Monday mornings to help Year 9 students with their reading. And I started praying for one girl who was particularly disruptive in the library and causing everybody really to be quite upset and unable to concentrate. And I just simply started to pray that, Lord, please do some good in this girl's life. I don't know what's going on, but do some good. Uh, Initially, her behavior got a whole lot worse uh, with cursing and swearing. And one week, I actually thought she was going to start lashing out. So you probably don't want to ask me to pray for you. Um, But I persevered, and I asked people at the East Prayer Breakfast to pray with me. And then a few weeks ago, quiet as a mouse, completely compliant with the teachers, actively desiring to read. I don't know how God has answered prayers, but I know that he has. Seek the peace and prosperity of Southampton. Pray wholeheartedly for the city. Then finally and briefly, live really good lives among the people of Southampton. Please turn back to that second passage, uh, 1 Peter 2, page 1218, if you're in a church Bible, page 1218, just a couple of minutes as we close looking at these verses. Now, if you know your Old Testament, you'll recognize the words that Peter uses in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2 are echoes of God's words about his chosen people, Israel. His people that he always intended to be a light to unbelieving nations so they could see what is it like to have the Lord as your God and be drawn to put their faith in him. But amazingly, Peter now speaks these words over followers of Jesus. Verse 9, but you, Christians, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, with what purpose? 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, by declare the praises of God, the context clarifies, I think, that Peter is not thinking so much about us singing great hymns and songs of worship in here, as wonderful and as important as that is. No, he has in mind declaring the praise of God out there in the city, telling everyone how awesome God is, how amazing the good news of Jesus is, sharing all the good things that he has done in our lives. But if our efforts to seek the peace and prosperity of Southampton our prayers for Southampton, our declaring of God's praises in Southampton, if they're going to be effective, they need to be backed up by you and I living really good lives in this city, living distinctively. So verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that's just another word for unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, and you know sometimes people will, unjustly accuse you of doing wrong simply because you're a follower of Jesus. But even if they do, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, when Jesus returns, they will be believers because they saw our efforts to prosper this city. God heard our prayers for them and they responded with faith to our declaring the praises of Jesus. What are you doing here You and I are here because God brought us here. And if I'm trusting in Jesus, he promises that when my time on earth is done, he will return and come and take me to that holy city where there will be indescribable joy and eternal pleasures in Christ at God's right hand. But in the meantime, you and I are here to actively seek the well-being of this great city. And I, I think it is a great city. To pray earnestly, wholeheartedly for the people of this city and to devote ourselves to living such good and godly lives as we declare the praises of Jesus that people cannot fail to be impacted so that many, many, please God, will put their trust in Jesus and glorify him on the day when he returns. May God make it to be so. Amen.